from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. In a year of NBA playoffs that have looked wilder than ever, there's one thing I just can't wrap my head around. Why? Do the Celtics have no home court advantage? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Andre Snellings, ESPN senior NBA writer, joining us for this hour. We got a power hour. We're going to go all the way through, all around the NBA and what to expect. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive protects your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, and RV. And, ha! Could save you money. Who doesn't love that? Visit Progressive.com. Uh, Dre, hanging out with us in studio, and let's just start with numbers, right? Because for anyone that doesn't know, you are uh, you are the king of analytics. We're going to say that. Maybe the prince of analytics? I like. I don't know. Do we want like a prince, king? I don't know. Like the, 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 there's, there's something like the guru of analytics. Like, we're going to come up with some sort of a nickname for this. But like you look at the numbers uh, in ways that most people don't. Can you Have you figured out why the Celtics are bad at home in the playoffs? So... Something that Vince Carter said today on Get Up resonated with me, and it's been something that I've actually been speaking on at, at, at different places, but it kind of encapsulates it. So Vince Carter was saying, normally teams love to be up going into the fourth quarter, you know, being up by four, five, eight points, because all they have to do at that point is take care of the ball and get good shots. The problem for the Celtics, and it ties into the home court the same way it does with Leeds going to the fourth, they don't have a team that can do that. Like, their best players, Tatum and Brown, are not team playmakers. They can set up their own shot, but they're not one that can get a good shot for somebody in the in the lineup every time down the court. And Tatum in particular, if he tries to drive to the rim, he doesn't have the tightest handle. And when they're getting, you know, when it's late in the fourth quarter and, 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 you know, the defense is stacked against him, he gets all of these turnovers. And it's been consistent. You know, that was one of the big things that I pointed out when they were going on the run last season was that, you know, they really need a floor general. And I thought they had that with Malcolm Brogdon. I thought he was going to come in and be that. But instead, they made him more of a sixth-man shooter the same way that Marcus Smart's a shooter. So I think at home or late in games, the Celtics, their offense is set up, if we hit the threes, we're going to win. But those aren't good shots if you're already winning. And because of that dynamic, it just makes it difficult for them to win what should be the easy games at home or the games where they already have a lead. And Dre, for me, it's just mind-boggling because you hear their announcers when the Boston Celtics play, like especially in game four, and you hear them consistently say, well, look at that ball movement. Look at this good shot. And you are right. When Jalen Brown and also Jason Tatum, I don't think either one of them had the tightest handles. Mm -hmm. When they're trying to do too much and go so much one-on-one, but then next thing you know, you're going against a defensive team that understands team defense, that's when the turnovers start to happen. When they're moving the ball consistently, playing good defense, getting out in transition, getting open looks, that's when the Boston Celtics are at their best. That's why I don't feel like on a consistent basis, if the Celtics want to win this series in seven games, that they can do it because they're going to revert back to their one-on-one MO, their one-on-one skills, because that's what their that's what their makeup is. That's what I mean, they you, are. you you say makeup, Harry. I say identity, right? Like, because yep. how often do we know, like, throughout the course of the playoffs, 
we've learned through most teams, we know what they do when they need a bucket, whether mm -hmm. it's who's going to get it, whether what the play is going to look like, the, the off-ball movement, how that's going to run. Like We knew that with the Warriors. We knew that with the Nuggets. We knew that with the Lakers. Their season might be over, but we still knew that. We know that with the Heat. Like You have an understanding of what they're going to do to sort of get Jimmy open and what it's going to mean for the surrounding pieces, how it's going to look. You can watch the play develop. I still, And, and Missoula is supposed to get all the credit here as an offensive coach, but like, let's be honest, right? Like, I'm watching the offense. I don't know what they're going to When the Celtics need a bucket, they don't have that moment where you look at it and say, okay, I know exactly who's going to get the ball, exactly what they're going to do, and exactly how they're going to do it. Or what play they're going to run. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. And, yeah, uh, going back to a couple things Harry said, um, for one, and to your point, in game one of this Heat series, Marcus Smart had 11 assists in the first half. Then he had no assists in the second half. And part of that is because they had that motion offense, that, that kind of freewheeling motion offense is kind of, it's good when there's not a lot of pressure on, when it's not, you know, a close game late and the defense is keyed in because you can just swing the ball around and get open looks from three. But later in games, it doesn't necessarily flow like that. The defense stops the easy passes, and they need a, a playmaker who can, even in a tough situation, still get good shots for their teammates. They lack that. The other thing that Harry mentioned was defense. Last season, that was the Celtics' calling card. We were a, They were a strong defensive team that no matter what the situation, their defense was going to keep them in the game. And then if they're hitting their shots, then they could turn a close game into a blowout. This season with Missoula is more of an offensive mindset and that that defensive foundation is not there. So if it gets late in games or you're playing at home and you have a small lead and all of a sudden the other team tightens things up, the Celtics aren't able to do the same on defense. They start missing shots and it goes bad in a hurry. Yeah, Harry, I want to get your thoughts on this real quick because something Dre said, and we're talking Andre Snellings in with us in studio. In studio. Something he just said really made me think about football for a second. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make this analogy. How often do we talk about the fact that when you get to the red zone, things are tougher? Part of the reason they're tougher is because everything tightens up. Everybody's playing tougher. Everybody's playing closer. There's less freedom to move for movement. It just the little things that are easy from the 20 to the 20 aren't easy when you get into the red zone. Maybe part of this is that as well. Like Miami's toughing, toughening up late in games, right? Everybody's playing tougher defense, tighter defense in the fourth quarter. So now all of a sudden you can't just rely on, oh, am I hot? You got to have a way to get hot. Uh, you got to have I'm something. I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it because when you use it in football terms, Fitz, that's why it's very vital and important to have more than just one guy or two guys you can go to in the red zone because of that factor things shrink with the back in line so now when you get late in these games yes i understand jason tatum is a phenomenal player yes i understand jalen brown is a is a phenomenal player but if you can free up other guys and get them wide open looks and some of the shots that jason tatum hit in game four those were tough ass phenomenal makes it's not shots that I would just recommend to anybody because I don't think they were great looks. It's just he made exceptional shots. But when you rely on that and then you have a team playing defense that takes pride in what they do, it's not going to always work. There's just an element. I'm going to continue to use this food analogy. I watch too many cooking shows, Dre. Like, it's just a weakness <laughs> for me. I love cooking shows, right? And so the other day I said I want my coach to be, like, chopped. You know, and if you've ever watched Chopped, they open a basket. They got a bunch of ingredients. They may go together. They may not go together. Can they make a great meal? Well, I was watching a different cooking show the other day called The Pressure Cooker, right? And in The Pressure Cooker, like, you have these different opportunities to, to grab different types of food. Like, so you might have a great basket, you might have a bad basket. 
the 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 chefs that were cooking with the best ingredients had the highest expectations. Mm-hmm. I continue to look at Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as quality ingredients. Like there is a higher level of expectation in what I think Joe Missoula should be able to do simply because I'm not asking him to open a basket and he has, you know, spam and yellow mustard and he's got to make some sort of delicious thing. He's got amazing ingredients with these two players. I just don't get why the Celtics, particularly at home, haven't found a way to use their great ingredients in a way that consistently makes a great dish. I'm getting hungry. God, I'm hungry. Yes. <laughs> you can tell I'm on a diet. That's Look, can I, can, I, can I say this really quick, though, y'all? Let me, yeah. let me say this really quick. When you're watching the Warriors, right, and the ball isn't moving efficiently, what does Steve Kerr do? Calls timeout and tell this guys, we got to move the ball. We're being too stagnant. The ball is sticking to you guys' hands. I'm trying to understand or comprehend. I wonder if Joe Mazzula tells that to his basketball team. Like, guys, we need ball movement. We need the ball to move so we can get quality shots. They do need ball movement, but, again, going back to that football analogy and <laughs> and the cooking analogy, um, they need a quarterback. You know, like there you go. They, exactly. they, they've that's, got yep. that's fair. quality ingredients, but they've got, like, an excellent running back and an excellent wide receiver, you know, great tight ends, all those things. But, but not they the don't have the guy making the decisions that can get those guys the looks. And yep. I don't know – I don't really care how much Missoula tells – them to do it if they don't have that guy who's able to to read the defense call the shots it's not going to be there you are you are blowing my mind because yep. now I'm thinking about it's a good point Dre. That it is without question who's the quarterback of the Denver Nuggets like who is mm-hmm. the person that everything's going to go through that's going to make every decision we know it's Jokic yep. right yep. we know that Jokic is that guy who's the quarterback of the Miami Heat we know who that guy is Jimmy when you had the best of the the Lakers and the best of even the old Celtics you always knew who the quarterback was mm-hmm. when you have the Warriors we talked about earlier we know who the quarterback is I'm using this football analogy because it's, it's really good by you Dre like there is a spot in my mind where you're, you're right there are great pieces with the Celtics Mm-hmm. I have no idea who the quarterback is. And when you don't have a quarterback, you end up with a 10-11 and 11 home record in the playoffs over a two-year span. I will remind you, no team has lost more games at home in a two-year span of the NBA playoffs than this version of the Boston Celtics. And Two- it's sad. And it's sad because the team is so doggone talented. And- and because it's the Celtics. Like, yeah. in my mind, the Boston Garden is supposed to mean something. TD Center doesn't. Tune in tonight for Game 5, NBA Eastern Conference Finals. The Celtics host the Heat, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. One person thinks history will be made by the Celtics. We're going to have some good take, hot take fun next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Andre Snellens joining the group for the hour, also on the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. take that's good great or a hot take how hot red hot find out now with Fitz and Harry the concept is a simple one some of our peers have been spitting into the mic we are going to take some of their flow 
and decide if it's a good take or a hot take. God, I've made America uncomfortable with the way that I describe that. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Guess who the almost 46-year-old white guy is in the room? Uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, not Harry. Uh, that, it's me that's the, uh, the almost 46-year-old white dude. Uh, Andre Snelling's joining us in studio. And, uh, Dre, this is, uh, this is easy. Yeah, I'm going to play a take from one of our peers, and then we're going to decide if we think it's a good take. Yeah, that's well thought out. I agree with them. That seems to make sense. Or if it's a hot take, you have lost your damn mind. It's uh, very simple. All right. We're going to start with one greenie. This is what Mike Greenberg had to say on Greeny about the Celtics and whether or not they are about to do the unthinkable. I was telling everyone that would listen to me, and mostly this was in airports and other places yesterday, that the Celtics were going to come back and win this series, or at least that they had a real chance to do it. And I will continue to use the tossing a coin analogy. Can the Celtics win four straight against Miami? It sounds unlikely. But in every game, they have a better than 50-50 chance of winning because they just are a better team. So taken each game unto itself, they should win every one of them. Harry, good take or hot take? For me, that's a hot take. We're asking the Boston Celtics to consistently, for four games in a row, if you're including game four in their win, to beat the Miami Heat. And we're also saying with that take that the Miami Heat are going to play the way they did in game four for four straight games. I don't think that's likely to happen. So I think that's a hot take. What do you think, Andre? It's a hot take for me because he went too far with it when he said that the Celtics are just clearly a better team than the Heat. I don't believe that. They faced each other three times in the last four years in the conference finals. They're very evenly matched. Now, and I plus, I think there's a good chance that the Heat close this out tonight. I think they really don't want to hear any more talk and they close it out. That said, if the Celtics do win tonight, they do have a shot in a way that we rarely see, but this was a hot take. Uh, it's a wildly hot take and maybe <laughs> one of Greeny's worst takes. And there's a very simple reason why. If his argument is that they are a better team, well, they weren't a better team in game one. They weren't a better team in game two. They weren't a better team in game three. And they weren't a better team in the first half of game four. They got hot for one half at the same half that the Heat got that cold it. Like, this is very simple. Greeny is saying they're the better team and you just take one game at a time. Well, we've been taking one game at a time throughout the course of this season, and the Celtics have been getting their asses kicked. In fact, when their backs were up against the wall and they needed to show up in game two, they got absolutely destroyed. So why do I care if we think they're the better team now when, if that is the case, they've been the better team throughout the course of this series and have still been embarrassed by the Heat? This is just a, this is wildly hot by Greeny. Uh, but I, I respect I love Greeny coming in with the takery. Let's continue to uh, analyze some of these takes. And this one comes from Mad Dog, Mike Russo. Uh, he was on first take, and he was talking about whether the Celtics will fire their coach or break up Brown and Tatum if they lose. This is the take. Everybody thought this was their season. The Eastern Conference played out perfectly because they got the home court. Milwaukee loses, and then they get wiped out by the Heat in five games, even if they, even if they play a seventh game. Something's going to happen, whether they got two choices. The coach goes or they break up Brown and, and Tatum. Now, they're going to do one or the other. They are, uh, there is no way in that city. That city's a rough city. They are not, and they lost last year. They are not standing. They're not standing pat. If they lose in five, six, seven games, I don't care. There's going to be changes in Boston. Before I get your take, I, I, I must uh, tip of the hat. It's Chris, Mad Dog Russo. Obviously, I don't know why I said Matt. Mike, my head was up my ass. I apologize. He's a legend. He deserved better than that. Harry, good take or hot take? Whew. I'm in between on this one, but I'm going to go with the hot take because I don't just think you can find – 
players like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown any and everywhere. Also, Joe Mazzula. I think they're going to give him more time to see if he can patch the holes that we've seen from a coaching standpoint that he displayed this season, particularly in the playoff. So I think it's a hot take. I'm going to go with good take on this one because for a couple reasons. For one, the Celtics have Missoula, and I think they really like him as a young coach on the way up. But there are so many championship caliber coaches out here, and this is a Celtics team that wants to win now. So there's that element. There's also the element that they have a $300 million decision, $300 million decision to make on Jalen Brown this offseason. And so if the end of this season leaves a bad taste in their mouth and that whole quarterback players analogy that we just talked about plays out, I could see them making a decision on do we want to move in a direct, another direction with the players or the coach as soon as this offseason? I, I hear what you're saying, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. But I keep going back to something Wendy said a couple of days ago. He made sure on one of our shows to say Brad Stevens loves, loves Joe Missoula. I don't think you can replace the stars, so they're going to be there. I just wonder if they're going to give themselves the excuse of running it back. Hey, you know, 34-year-old head coach, young, learning, we're going to let him run it back. If that's the case, though, man, I just feel like this is an inevitability. Either you're getting rid of him now or midway through next season when things aren't what you want, you're suddenly looking for an interim coach. So I, I think the right move would be to get rid of coach if they if they lose tonight in this series. I just don't think they'll do it. So I think it's actually a good I think it's a good take. I'm a little torn on it, but, but I think fit, it's good. Fit, yeah. Let me ask you a question really quick. Yeah, yeah. Who did you who did you say loves Joe Mazzula? Brad Stevens. I think it's about time to come on down, coach this team, Brad Stevens. Oh, <laughs> come on. Brad's down. like Brad sitting back saying, you know what? I'll let you get all the pressure. I'll just sit back here and let all right. This is uh we're we're doing a little good take, hot take on Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Andre Snelling's joining us in studio. Andre Miller, former Nuggets guard, was on Keyshawn J. Will and Max, said this about Jimmy Butler being a Hall of Famer. Yes, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, just with the amount of work that he's put in his resume all the way back to the Chicago days coming in and, and how he's, he went from a defender and, and, and not just a defender, but also becoming an opportunity scorer. And, you know, one thing I can say about him is, you know, you see a lot of guys that come into the NBA with that role of being a defender and then they start work on working on their offensive game and then forget about playing defense and then they fall off the map. But he's stuck to what he's he's done. He he's found an organization that, that fits his uh fits his mindset, the culture in Miami. You know, he, he puts in the time, he puts in the work and, and I definitely do believe he's a Hall of Famer. Harry, good take, hot take. I think it's a good take. When I look at a guy like Jimmy Butler, he was dedicated to his craft. And when I mean dedicated, that mean that means what Andre Miller just spoke on. He was a defensive player, but now when you look at Jimmy Butler, he is the engine driver. And an engine driver, he can play defense, he can play offense, he can motivate, he can get on guys. Also, three of the last four years, he's been the sole reason why this Miami basketball team has been in the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals with another opportunity right now at this moment. So I think Jimmy Butler is a Hall of Famer. I absolutely agree. Good take. Um, Jimmy Butler is a six-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA, five-time All-Defense team player. Also, it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. He's an Olympic gold medalist. Jimmy Butler has put together a resume. You know, he's taken his team to the finals. He's been in three of the last four conference finals. Has a very good chance of being in the finals again this year. He's a Hall of Famer. So, you guys have given really smart explanations to why this is a good take. I'm going to give you a dumb reason why I think it's also a good take. 
in my mind, when you say Basketball Hall of Fame, to me what you're saying is, can you tell the story of an era of basketball and not say somebody's name? To me, like, if you if we all, we all saw Coming to America and you think about the, the barbershop and it's like, oh, Muhammad Ali, whip Joe Lewis's ass. Like, when we're having the barbershop conversation about this era of basketball in 20 years, I don't think you can tell it without saying somebody in the room will say, ah, Jimmy Butler, <laughs> right? Somebody will say Jimmy Butler and everybody will be like, ah, ah whoop the Celtics us. That's what's going to happen. It is going to happen. So for, for a very dumb reason, uh, and mostly because I just wanted to say that. No, I, I think when you tell the story of this era, you have to tell the story, including Jimmy Butler. So, yes, I think it's a good take that he's a basketball Hall of Famer. Okay, there is one take about the Lakers right now specifically that is out there, that has Harry all fired up, and it could impact not just what's going to happen for them next year, but what could happen for them for the next decade. We'll break it down for you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Denver Nuggets are going to the NBA Finals, and they take out the Lakers in a four-game sweep. I'm obviously frustrated not being able to uh, close out one of these games where you went in every game. And so um, that's, that's the frustrating part. And Harry, the podcast. We'll see, we'll see what happens going forward. And I don't know. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. Just for me personally, going going forward with the game of basketball, got a lot to think about. Listening to LeBron James tonight, now we're wondering how much longer does he have? Leads a lot of speculation. It leads a lot of conversation one way or the other. Okay, uh, there's a chance that maybe he's retiring. No, there's no way he's going to go out like that. I can get both of those arguments from that answer he gave. That's, like I said, the ultimate cliffhanger. Tip of the cap to the legend, Tina Turner, one of the greatest performers of all time, one of the greatest singers of her of her time, absolutely touched musicians forever. The entertainment world sad yesterday with her passing at the age of 83. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Don't forget Eastern Conference Finals Game 5, Heat and Celtics coverage begins tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. Now, this segment, I should say loudly, is not for Kyrie. All right, I just want to make sure, Kyrie, if you're sitting in the car, if your friend's sitting in the car, if your mom's sitting in the car, if your pop's sitting in the car, if everybody's sitting in the car, just turn it off, Kyrie. All right, you are not going to want to hear this one because the, of all the good takes and the hot takes, gentlemen, Fitz and Harry with Andre Snellings joining us in studio also. With all of the hot takes out there, there's a lot of takes about the Lakers and Kyrie. This is what Vince Carter, ESPN NBA analyst, said this morning on Get Up about why the Lakers should not sign Kyrie. What does the rest of that roster look like? I mean, Wendy said it. It's like the, the money. It's, it's, it's important to me because you, you think of what that team looked like before. It, you know, you had superstar players. Yes, it didn't work out with Russell Westbrook, but you still didn't have a, a depth. You didn't have shooting. You didn't have, and then you had to make it happen. So I just, I just want to know, yeah, it, Kyrie Irving anywhere is, is great on the, on the basketball court because he could do everything. 
But what do you have to give up? How can you make that work and still have a very good basketball team to compete? Because, yes, it, it, Kyrie Irving over D'Angelo Russell, no-brainer. He still had to guard that guy, Jamal Murray, though. Now, personally, I love everything Vince said, but me, from my standpoint, I feel like if LeBron James says that he wants Kyrie Irving, I think the Lakers should go out there and get a Kyrie Irving. We're talking about a guy who's a walking bucket, and when you look at the Western Conference Finals, What's one of the things that the Los Angeles Lakers needed, especially when it got to the fourth quarter? Someone who can put the ball in the basket outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis and on a consistent basis. So if I have a guy in Kyrie Irving who's a walking bucket, a guy who's won a championship with LeBron James before, who understands what LeBron James wants to do in and out, that's why I thought it was another reason why Tristan Thompson being in the game was a no-brainer to me as well. But when you have a guy like Kyrie, who can give you something in which LeBron James can now go sit down for two or three minutes in a basketball game in the first half, maybe two or three minutes in the second half because Kyrie can carry the load and we've seen him done it. We see him do it time and time again. I mean, I, I hear that and I think you're right in every possible way, but let me just play devil's advocate for a secondary and, and I'll ask you this, Andre. Mm-hmm. Given the fact that the last time LeBron was a GM it resulted in Russell Westbrook, right? Like, uh, th- there's this perception that LeBron comes in, pounds the table, and says, Rob Palinka, you will give me what I want, and then it happens. Uh, maybe that's the situation they're in, but can they afford to take that risk? Like, it feels like the Lakers might be a little bit damned if they do and damned if they don't. They'll have to mortgage their future. LeBron doesn't care about their future. He cares about the right now. But it, if you're the Lakers, you also care about the right now. I don't know the right approach. Yeah, I mean, so there's two elements there. One, yes, LeBron's history as a GM is not as... Uh, polished as his <laughs> as his reputation as as a player. Um, that's a big difference, though. Kyrie can shoot where Westbrook couldn't. And Thank so, you, Dre. Thank you, Dre. Thank I mean, I'm you. just saying. So Kyrie fits at least on paper with what you need from LeBron and Anthony Davis. And for according to Wendy, they'd be able to keep Austin Reeves too, which is mon- you know monstrous. Like those are three strong pieces. You fit Kyrie in. That's the start of something good on paper. Kyrie also comes with his own history. Now, the last time he won, he was playing with LeBron. I, I recognize that. But that's been seven, eight years. And in those seven, eight years, every situation he's gone to has not been what it was supposed to be. And it was typically in large part because of him and things that happened off the court. So I, I can't just say it's a slam dunk. LeBron wants it, so we got to give Kyrie, you know, give him Kyrie. Um, you got to look at who you would lose. They've got some really good players, not just young players, but guys like Rui Hachimura, who was contributing strongly in this playoffs. So you would have to make the decision. Maybe you see, can you uh, get Mark Cuban drunk and and, and set up a sign and trade around <laughs> D'Angelo Russell? Because they have the same. Uh, uh, Russell just made $31 million. And according to Wendy, that's how much they have to offer Kyrie. You know, to figure, figure out a way to make it work. I mean, that's part of this, though, that I think is interesting. I- I'm not sure there's enough tequila in the world to get Mark Cuban <laughs> where he needs to be. But HD, like... Give him some moonshine. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean that, that might get the job done. Uh, there is a moment with Kyrie, too, where he would have to decide to take less, right? $31 million is about the range that Wendy says he's going to go. 47 yes. would be his, his, his range, his max on the street. So you're talking about a $16, $17 million pay cut for Kyrie. But 
to the argument that Dre just pointed out. The last time Kyrie won was with LeBron. Like, maybe the best solution for Kyrie is to go somewhere like the Lakers for a year. Remind everybody just how yep. spectacular he is. Get out there. You get paid. You also try and win a championship with LeBron. Everybody sees you in this great, glorious light, and you've changed your situation. Like, I, I could see the reasoning for it for Kyrie, and I could see the benefit for LeBron. I also think we have to acknowledge that the Lakers – are the Lakers. Like, the Lakers have always been all in on winning right now. They're not a team that's ever sat there and thought, well, we're going to start. There's no such thing as trust the process when you've gone from a Showtime era to a Kobe era to where we are right now. There is no process other than championships for the Lakers. Well, and, and that's $16, 17000000 million difference is, is a huge difference. <laughs> and, and, and it all it would all come down to, you know, the Lakers keeping Austin Reeves, and then if you're trying to get Kyrie Irving as well, what Kyrie is comfortable doing. It, does he want to take that pay cut? And when it comes to all those guys being on the court at the same time, I trust Kyrie Irving with the LeBron James because the last time Kyrie Irving was able to win a championship was with LeBron James. And I understand it was a while ago, but everything that we've seen from a Kyrie Irving leaving a LeBron James, yes, he's been able to score the basketball, but things haven't been peachy. I think, you know, pairing back up with a guy like LeBron would also help Kyrie Irving, but on top of it all, it would help LeBron James trying to reach a goal in which he's trying to not just make the Western Conference Finals, but win an NBA championship. You know who's going to need the damn tequila is Darvin Ham. <laughs> Darvin Ham's like made it through half a season, <laughs> slow start. Then you trade the whole roster. Now i got to figure out how to get these guys to gel together. Then you walk in and you're like, finally, we got a little continuity. Everything's going to be good. Then LeBron's like, might retire. Kyrie's like, might sign. <laughs> Darvin Ham's just like, might need that bottle of tequila. I mean, that's... Oh, because oh, but, but, but that sixteen million dollars, like yeah, that sixteen million dollars coming to America. Steep. How much? <laughs> but God's sake, I can't do it. I take my pocket money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're gonna make coming to America references a thing on this trio at Absolutely. this point. Aha! Uh, uh, taste the soup. Uh, there's the one throat. massive question that all of this raises about the Lakers that needs to be asked right now, and there's only one person that's even mentioned it. It has flown completely off the radar and could change. Everything for the Lakers. You'll hear it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. In their 47th season in the NBA, the Denver Nuggets are going to the NBA Finals, and they take out the Lakers in a four-game sweep. Obviously frustrated, not being able to um, close out one of these games where you went in every game. Just going to make plays down the stretch, so um, that's, that's the frustrating part. Obviously, it hurts right now, especially the way you know we lost, not only tonight, but we gave away two games, three games. You know, it's just tough. For all the conversation we constantly have about the Lakers, there is one thing that could be facing the Lakers nobody's talking about, and they should be. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Andre Snelling's ESPN senior NBA writer joining us in, in studio for this whole hour. Always love it when Dre comes in. 
And, guys, I just want you to hear, because we all know Wendy. Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider, never says anything by accident. All right? So, on GetUp, he was talking specifically uh, about the Lakers, but even more specifically about Anthony Davis. Listen to this, and I want to really stress what he says about the end about AD. Listen to this. Anthony Davis only has one guaranteed year left on his contract. He can become a free agent next summer, summer of 2024. The Lakers, starting in August, are eligible to add three years and about $167 million at the max level for AD, who is in his early 30s and still in his prime. My suspicion is that the Lakers will want to do that because the last thing that you want is Anthony Davis facing free agency. But obviously, Anthony Davis is going to have to sit there and watch what the Lakers do in June and July before making this decision in August. Anthony Davis is going to have to watch what the Lakers do in June and July before making his decision in August. Like, Harry... He's telling you right there, like, AD's looking, for all the conversation about LeBron looking around, Wendy's telling us right there that AD's looking around, too, trying to decide, do I really want to be part of this moving forward? Well, we we can't sit up here and say he's not going to be tied to LeBron when when he was in New Orleans and wanted to get out, and then he's repped by Rich Paul, who's also the agent of LeBron James. All this thing coexists and goes together, man. So I'm looking forward and looking at it. I don't know if Anthony Davis would want to be in L.A. because he came to L.A. to be paired up with LeBron James. So if that's not going to be there or the Lakers aren't moving in the direction that he feels like it's going to be best for him, why would he want to stay? So I have to feel like that he, sh- you know, I can't speak for him, but I would think he would want to stay for a couple reasons. For one, um, especially if they offer that max extension, I believe still now the team you play for can offer you a bit more money than any other team. So just financially, there's that. Then is what we were just talking about last segment. The Lakers are going to try to contend, especially if they've got a player to build around. And so whether LeBron is there or not, no matter who they bring in this offseason, if Anthony Davis is there, then I feel like I would know as him for the rest of my career, they're going to move heaven and earth if it's not LeBron to bring in more superstar talent. This is the Lakers. You know, they don't do what we say. They don't do the process. You know, they go from Showtime to Shaq and Kobe to, you know, to LeBron. And if there is a little bit of a dip in between, they try to minimize it as much as possible. And the dip is when they lose their players. So I would think they want to keep Anthony Davis and he should want to stay to be there in that next uh, generation. I think there's a moment for me with Anthony Davis where so much of this will be about what they do right now. If the Lakers decide that the right course is to stay the course with the young talent that they have and try and watch them develop and hope that you can talk LeBron into staying. Well, if LeBron walks and all of a sudden AD's looking around saying, you want me? You want you want me, Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura in this market to try and contend for a title? No. If you're telling me that they work out some sort of creative way to bring someone like Kyrie in and you've got Kyrie, LeBron, and AD, well, now if you're AD, you're like, yeah, I'll sign to this because realistically, even when LeBron leaves, it would still at least be me and Kyrie possibly. We have something to move forward with. I'm not sure AD personality-wise is the type to just sit here and say, you know what, surround me with anybody and I will take (laughs) us to the promised land. That just doesn't feel like the way AD carries himself, Harry. No, I think that's one of the things that we have have to start accepting, and J.J. Redick alluded to that on on Get Up recently, is that we keep asking AD to be an alpha in something that he's not. He's just not that. And And I'm going back to the years when he played with my brother in New Orleans, 
he wasn't that vocal guy then either, even though he was the best player on the basketball team. Um, Anthony Davis is a phenomenal player offensively and defensively. It's just that that extra oomph that I feel like you need for your number one guy to have in order to win a championship, I don't know if he has that. No, I agree with that. Um, And I think that a lot of it is based, again, on the fact that it's the Lakers and the assumption that they're going to try to bring somebody in. I don't think Anthony Davis is that guy that you say, we're going to hitch the ship to you and you alone and you're going to lead the way. But the Lakers are the glamour franchise of the NBA. They're going to be able to bring in some superstar talent, especially if they've got a guy like Davis who has a skill set that doesn't, you know, he's got the more unique skill set. The the most of the superstar glamour players are going to be able to score the ball, you know, are going to be able to to carry an offense. What they don't have is someone that can, you know, carry the defense and, you know, do all of the things that make the team successful. I think Davis is that, and I think that the Lakers are going to want to hang on to him, and I really think he should want to uh, finish off there. It's just interesting because, uh, you know, we spend so much time talking about Batman and Robin, for example. Well, this is a situation where AD might be best suited as the best Robin in the world, Mm -hmm. but that means he's got to want to be with the Batman, Mm -hmm. right? And so, like, you still want to be with the best crime-fighting duo that you could possibly be in, but you might not be bad. Usually in this situation, we're looking at the LeBrons and the Jokic's of the world and the Giannis's of the world. We're looking at the Batman saying they need to find a Robin. What do you do if you're suddenly AD and you realize that you're just best suited to be the other guy? But you're a Robin with the skill set of a Batman – playing for the Gotham Gazette. So, like, they're, they're, going, to, you know, they're going to be able to bring in the next generation of Batman as soon as the, new, the current one leaves. Harry is so wildly it, 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 confused right now. Harry's but like, no, no. no, this is a comic book? We're talking let, let, about. let me say this really quick, though, because I think for AD, being that Robin, I understand that, that terminology, but when your Batman is having one of those days or having one of those nights... I need that Robin to be Batman that day or that night. And uh, we I mean, Robin at his, gets a bad, bad rap, Harry. Robin's still a superhero. <laughs> he, he is. But what I'm saying is that... Is he, though? <laughs> you're you're, you're going to have those times where your Batman needs to be lifted up. And I think from AD's case in this Western Conference Finals, like you get to a fourth quarter when you have a LeBron James that needs someone else to carry the load because he's exerted so much energy... I think that's what people are talking about from AD. Can can he be that guy? But it's not his skill set, though. You, you know, he's he's a guy that can give you 40 points, but he's not a guy that you're going to give him the rock and he's going to, like, create it off the dribble. He does it in the flow. Glad you, not like we're talking glad about you said Celtics. it, Drake, because people kill me when I said that, Drake. Mm-hmm. I told them Anthony Davis is not a guy that can create like you see a Jokic, he's not going to get the rebound and come down and just lead the break and diversify the basketball to multiple guys. And people kill me for saying it. No, no, here's the thing. He's the Incredible Hulk. Like, the Incredible <laughs> Hulk has a very particular set of skills, and it works really well. But you wouldn't want to go into an Avenger battle with just the Incredible Hulk. You need somebody else. Like, he's better than a Robin, but he's not as good as a Batman. This has been the nerdiest analogy <laughs> in the history of all time. All I know is that the Lakers better hope AD st- stays. I mean, because that's 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 me. That that would be my my luck. Uh, Dre, thanks for hanging out with us, Andre Snellings. We appreciate it. We're gonna get you back to some football. There's one quarterback that's not being talked about enough in the pressure conversation. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.